You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on this season of Bachelor in Paradise and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What is up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 310. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. We've got one hell of a show for you today. Big Brother 24 winner Taylor Hale is on the podcast. She talks about her win. She talks about everything that happened to her this summer on the show. And in addition, she talks about something that she has never spoken on before until today. And I will say there is a trigger warning for sexual misconduct in this story that she tells that I want to give people a heads up on. We will get to that momentarily. So a few things to cover before we dive into this interview with Taylor on the bachelor end. As you know, yesterday had another picture of Victoria Fuller and Greg Grippo at the shuttle service in Rome, heading back to the States. They are, are they are back in the United States now. And, you know, I wouldn't have posted the video the day before on Tuesday if I didn't know it was them. Uh, it was the picture yesterday. Finally got a picture of their faces with nothing covering them, no sunglasses or anything. And uh, it certainly was them. And so for anyone that doubted, I don't know what to tell you. But they are back in the States. They are clearly dating she broke up with Johnny over a month ago, and you know I've said it numerous times over the last few days. Just my issue is not that they shouldn't be dating, and oh my god, she did Johnny wrong. Look, she can date whoever she wants. She's single now. My whole thing was I think it's a really bad look, and the optics of it look terrible. When a month after your engagement ends, you are dating and taking a romantic getaway to Italy with someone from bachelor nation, it's just not a good look and you're not going to convince me. Otherwise I'm sorry. Now, the other thing that I want to clear up, I said it on my daily roundup earlier. That's on my reality Steve podcast feed. You can check that out. Is that somehow again, I'm getting lumped into this. I was the one who reported that Victoria Fuller cheated on Johnny with Greg. I never said that. And the proof is all there. All you got to go do is listen to daily roundup from Monday, the daily roundup from Tuesday, the daily roundup from yesterday, my column on Tuesday and my column yesterday, all five times. I reiterate, this is not my story. This is Dave Neal's story. Dave spoke to sources. He's confident in those sources. So I got to believe that he wouldn't have run with the story unless he was very confident in those sources. Now, the question is, can he prove cheating happened? Probably not. And so that's what he's going to have to deal with. But at no point did I ever say Victoria cheated on Johnny with Greg. What I said was two weeks ago, well, now it would be about three weeks ago, I had heard that she was in contact with Greg. This is before I had had any confirmation her and Johnny were even broken up. So clearly all I knew was, okay, she's currently seeing, texting, hooking up with, dating Greg. But that didn't mean anything because she was single in terms of any sort of cheating. I said, look, that's Dave's story. I have no idea. It's not something that I had heard, but doesn't mean like I have to hear everything. Dave got it. Dave had sources. Dave ran with it. Now, like I said, it's going to be hard to actually prove that unless people come forward and put their name to it. But I think if they wanted to, they would have done that by now. 
Um, I don't know if cheating happened. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. What I'm saying is that the only thing I knew is that she was definitely involved with Greg Rippo. And then once we got the confirmation that, yeah, they're in Italy, I'd say that's confirmation that they're together. I, you don't go to Italy with Greg Rippo when you're Victoria Fuller to, I don't know, have a buddy-buddy trip to Italy. Like, come on. Like, let's put our heads. Two plus two equals four here. It's not that hard to figure out. They're dating. I heard it three weeks ago. It was confirmed by their trip to Italy. Like, they're dating, which she's single. She's allowed to. He's single. He's allowed to. I just think the optics of it look terrible. But it's on brand for her. Now, um, before we get into today's podcast with Taylor Hale, like I said in the, in the open uh, a few minutes ago, we talk about Big Brother, everything that happened, the, um, the controversies that happened this season on Big Brother. I only had about 45 minutes with her. So one of the things that I did want to get to that I spoke with her before we started recording was about the Miss USA pageant. I don't know if any of you have been following uh, the news and regarding the Miss USA pageant from three weeks ago. There is some allegations of rigging so that Miss Texas would win. We talk about that a little bit, but there's a more important story behind the scenes here. And that is something that Taylor talks about for the first time. And not only does she talk about what happened to her after she won Miss Michigan in 2021 um, or Miss Michigan 2021. Sometimes it's, I don't know the actual date of when it happened, but she is Miss Michigan 2021. She talks about a specific incident for the first time ever. She's never told this to anybody publicly. And not only does she do that, she attaches her name to it. And that's something else that has not been addressed. If you Google Miss USA pageant and sexual misconduct, you will see the story that I'm talking about. And today, for the first time, Taylor Hale admits she's the one um, that kind of got the ball rolling on this thing. And all the credit in the world to her. She's a very, very strong and powerful woman. And for her to come out and tell this story for the first time on my podcast, which I had no idea about, I thought I thought that this had been out there and it was known and linked to her that she was part of this that brought the co-president of the Miss USA organization down. No, it, until today, her name has not been part of it. But she, when I asked her beforehand, she goes, you know what, let's do it. I'm fine with it. Right, let, let's get this out there. And so... You will hear her story, and I will say, I will give you, again, a trigger warning. There is a sexual misconduct story that she tells in this sexual harassment that um, could be triggering for some people. So just know that going into it. It happens towards the end of the interview, like around the, I don't know, 45-minute mark or something like that. Um, You'll know when she's about to tell the story because she kind of lays it out there. Um, I, I set it up with, hey, you know. We've heard these things in regards to what's going on behind the scenes at the Miss USA organization. Tell us your experience, and then she kind of goes into it. So uh, I just wanted to give you guys a heads up on that. Also, this podcast brought to you by First Leaf Wines. Please tell me you like to unwind and listen to my podcast with some wine. First Leaf makes it simple to discover new wines that you'll love. They learn your taste, then deliver quality wines right to your door. Forget driving to the wine shop, forget shopping by the label, and forget overspending on bottles you don't like. With First Leaf, you rate each wine that you receive with a simple thumbs up or a thumbs down. Then the experts will send you personalized selections with new and exciting bottles in every box. In fact, First Leaf can recommend wines you'll love with 96% accuracy. As your tastes evolve, so will the wines you receive. And if you're not completely satisfied with the bottle, First Leaf is going to credit you for another. That's wine made simple. For me, The biggest thing for me 
in regards to First Leaf is that this survey that you fill out so they know which six bottles to send you at first is very extensive. Like, you got to put some time into this, but that's why they hit with 90 96% accuracy. They know everything about your wine taste when you fill out this survey. So please take the time. If you're going to do this, take the time to fill out that survey because it is very, very important because you're going to get in that first box the six wines that they feel cater to your needs the best. So sign up today. You'll get your first six bottles for $39.95 plus free shipping. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash realitysteve. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash realitysteve to get your first six bottles for $39.95 plus free shipping. Tryfirstleaf.com slash realitysteve. All right, let's get going. Here it is. It's a good one. And please, trigger warning towards the end of the podcast. Just want to make that perfectly clear. It is podcast number 310. All right, here she is. Uh, She was Miss Michigan in 2021. However, you probably know her better from her past summer's appearance on your television screens on CBS. She is the winner of Big Brother Season 24. It is Taylor Hale. Taylor, how are you? What's going on? I'm feeling good. I got some L.A. sun on my face. Okay, have I'm you not drinking enough water? But I should be. You've so kind of been jet setting around since <laughs> the season ended, haven't? Like, where have you been? Name all the places you've been since you got out of the house. Since I got out of the house, I spent two weeks in L.A. I went back home to Michigan, uh, spent some time in Detroit for a week, came back to L.A. for a single day, went to Canada, yeah. where we hit up. Alberta. We were in Calgary and Edmonton to meet some amazing Canadian fans. Now I'm back in LA for the end of this week, and then I will be going to Mexico for a week. Oh, how about that? Um, Not too bad. I want to. I want to jump right into it, and I want to start at the end. We're going to kind of kind of work our way backwards. Um, well, first off, tell everyone why you originally had me blocked on Instagram. Fill everyone in on that. Because <laughs> I didn't want your spoilers. You're ruining everything for me. I know. I so it was when you so it was when you got your phone back after or had you had me blocked before you ever went on the show? Oh no, I had your phone blocked before I went on the show. Oh. I look, I watched The Bachelor all the time and you spoiled everything. So I was like, <laughs> no, enough is enough. Well, when we we found out a couple of weeks ago that uh you were part of uh the Game of Roses, you were the uh mystery uh woman there uh <laughs> that they were coaching to so everyone's you... disappointment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you were so you were in talks for to be on which season of The Bachelor would it have been? Um, so I was recruited for two seasons. Um, so it would have been, I believe, Matt's season first, and then Clayton was after Matt, right? Yeah, and Clayton. Yeah, so it would have been Matt and Clayton's seasons. And was it just, hey, I, I want to do Big Brother over this, or was there something where just like, I no, I was never going to do it to begin with. I don't care who the Bachelor was. Oh no! I yeah. The more I just watched and understood that the Bachelor is so manipulated on the back end of things. That's when I was like, you know. Especially coming out of my pageant career, I was like, I don't want to do the same. Go in, be compete in Miss USA, go on The Bachelor, have a ter- terrible experience, and be scarred for the rest of my life. It just, no matter how good the opportunity was, quote unquote, it just wasn't worth it to me. And while I was having that debate in my head, that's when I got the DM about going on The Amazing Race, and I said, No, I don't know anybody I want to do The Amazing Race with, but I saw Big Brother last year. Let's talk that. <laughs> That and is, then it snowballed there. That is a that is a crazy journey. And then you know you talk about not wanting to do the Bachelor and God get involved in that, and all of a sudden it's going to scar me. And then 
you get in the house <laughs> and Jesus Christ, the whole world's coming down on you in two days for God knows what reason. Yeah, I mean, I, okay, yeah. let's um, I, I want to start at the end, like I said, and I told you this when I messaged you because I've always been a guy when it comes to these shows, whether it's Survivor or Big Brother, to where I've always been a resume guy. I've never been on mm-hmm. one of these shows. I never have any intention. I don't want to be on TV. I don't want to ever participate in any of these shows. But watching from my couch, I've always been like, yeah, I'm a resume guy. And then your final speech convinced me, you know what? I've been looking at it wrong. Not saying that resume can't win, but I think it's mm-hmm. a season-by-season basis. I, I don't think it's just automatically resume, yes, I'm voting for them, and automatically, no, let's vote for somebody who's more deserving. And I really loved your speech. Um, the things that you said that you're a, that you're a, you're um, you're not a victim, you're a victor, you're a sword, you're a, you're not a shield, you're a sword. Like this stuff was was powerful. Is this something that you literally were rehearsing in the mirror, or is it just kind of stream of consciousness that came to you when you got up to make the speech? Oh, I guess those are the metrics we're measuring by then somewhere in the middle. Um, I mean, the, the truth is we were given some ciders the night before and I <laughs> had maybe one too many. <laughs> and that last, probably from 1130 at night to maybe one thirty two in the morning, I was in the bathroom, locked the door or closed the door behind me. And I was just talking about my overall experience in the game and how there was no way I could make it to the finale episode and not advocate for myself. I didn't go through hell in the house to not do something in the end. And I was just speaking out loud. I was thinking about what type of speech I would give if I could make it to that final final two seat. And that's where I just said it um, in the stream of consciousness in that moment, shield, sword, victim, victor. And I knew to pull that in my speech. I were able to give it. Thank God I was able to give it. (laughs) Well, I mean, like I said, I, I, I was a hundred percent, in my head, like if I was on jury, jury, I'd vote for Monty. And then I heard your speech and I heard his and I was like, she's right. Like this is a season I think that needs to needs to go to her. It, it doesn't not saying that Monty wouldn't have deserved it. If he would have gotten at least five votes, I would have been like, OK, fine. Um, mm-hmm. But it just seemed like, no, this is more important that she gets it. And for all the reasons that she stated in her speech. Now, heading into the final two with Monty pre jury speech. What votes did you think you had? What votes did you think you didn't have? And did you think there were floaters where you were just like, I have to convince them? Or were you pretty confident? No, I knew for a fact that I did not have Indy. I knew for a fact I did not have uh, Terrence. (laughs) (laughs) I was positive I did not have Terrence. And I definitely thought that Kyle uh, would be more... um, I thought that Kyle would see his own game reflected in Monty's game because their games were very similar. You know, I thought that the jury would be more inclined to the way that you perceived the game. You come down to resume. That's the objective way and the only way to value the game and evaluate the game. But this would not be a 82 day game. If it came down just to statistics, it has to be about socially. What moves did you make? It has to be about strategically. What moves did you make? And the only game that I was really given the freedom to play in that house was a social game because I started at, negative infinity (laughs) and had to find a way to come back. So I think when people say, Oh, like let's talk statistics, let's talk statistics who had influence during those games too, who had power and influence. That's what the game is for. You win and you fight for those competitions to have influence and power in the game. But if you don't have more 
comp wins, but you have more influence, I think that's significantly more impressive for whatever the reason may be. Um, but because that's a more gray space that you have to defend and advocate for when you're in those final two seats, I thought that Michael was up in the air. I thought Jasmine would want to see me in final two. I wasn't sure if she was willing to give me the win. Um, Brittany felt more so definitely in my camp, but even Alyssa felt pretty up in the air because she tried to orchestrate a whole plan to get me sent home too. You know, there are so many reasons why people in that house wanted to see me out. And I only had so much time to try to convince them otherwise, but it was good that I had the people in the jury, uh, to take care of me too. Once you gave your speech, did you think I really outdid Monty here and I think I'm going to win them over or you just didn't know? No, hands down, yes. Um, okay. I thought that I, I still thought it would be a close vote, but comparing the speeches that Monty and I had next to each other, I mean, I'm kind of glad the camera wasn't on me because Monty had a really good resume. He had really good social game. He had reasons why he could have advocated for himself and completely blown me out the water. But if that camera was on my face when he was giving my speech, y'all would have seen me cringing hard. I was like, do better. Like, fight for yourself. <laughs> do something here. Save yourself. But, you know. I think anybody next to me would have had a, a hard shot yeah. if I gave that speech. Yeah, with that speech, for sure. Um, you know, I think I see I'm I'm a I don't want to say I'm a rookie, but I only started watching Big Brother on season twenty one with because I knew because I knew Holly from The Bachelor World mm-hmm. and you know, ironically ended up dating Kat after it, but <laughs> because of it. But I think for me I'm, I, I watch every episode. I did not follow the live feeds, but I would follow along. This season I didn't. And I would follow along with the main stories coming out of the live feeds because obviously there's two different shows going on. <laughs> you know, what, what CBS chooses to show and what, what's happening on the live feeds. So early on in the game, Daniel targets you. And we all remember the fateful moment where he said he'd see you at finale night, which <laughs> kind of funny now. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> yeah, and he did. Um, but he said one of the reasons that he targeted you uh, was be- because he said that you called Jasmine fat, which you didn't. But I do want you to tell the story for people that don't know it. I mean, I, I, you've done a ton of interviews. I'm sure you've covered this. But for this podcast, I wanted you to share the story of what made Daniel think that's what you called Jasmine. Mm-hmm. So I've actually learned a lot more about this. Now, a lot of people think it's because of when that moment when I was trying on, was encouraged <laughs> to try on all the outfits that were delivered. Uh, which included the jumpsuit I wore on finale night. Um, and I said something like, hey, like all of you can have access to my closet as long as I wear it first. It was the sponsored, so I had to wear it first. Um, and someone said, oh, what size is it? And I was like, these are anywhere from a double zero to a two. And that was initially the reason why I thought that I made Jasmine feel like I called her fat or something like that. Later, because of another podcast she's done, conversations she and I have had, it was actually an off-camera moment when we were given our costumes for um, Renaissance Fest, for RenFest. Now, her costume had these strings, like a like a bustier, basically, a corset, where you had to untie a lot and tug and pull and do all this stuff. My costume did not have the same. And her costume, it was just very intricate. It was very complicated, and no one was helping her get it on, so I offered to help her get it on. And it was complicated to get on. Now, that process of trying to get the costume on her, undo it, redo it, I did say something like, oh, I'm glad my costume doesn't have, like, isn't this complicated? But in that, she took it as, and she admitted that it was something that she internalized and ran with, 
she took it as me slighting her because of her body composition, which is just not the case. Now, Jasmine and I are really cool. We were just texting literally moments ago. I have nothing bad to say about the girl. Everything is water under the bridge. Um, but, you know, when you are of a certain size, I'm a personal stylist. I've helped people deal with their any type of body image. I know through that experience how someone can feel very sensitive to clothing in their bodies. And I hate that I just didn't pick up on uh, making her feel uncomfortable in that moment. But to clarify, and Jasmine's made it very clear, I never called her fat. I never intended to call her fat. That just never happened. Yeah, and it seems like Paloma was the one that got the rumor started, which got to Daniel, mm-hmm. and then that was one of the reasons that he was really on you. Now, yeah, yeah and, and I did I did see that, um, that podcast, or at least I read the transcript from the podcast that Jasmine said, and it's exactly what you just said. It was about... Renfest and her dress being having all these strings and pu- putting stuff in loops and stuff like that. And she, and mm-hmm. the comment that you made, yeah, I can see where somebody would think that, but that's clearly not what you were meaning. It was just like, God, I wish I thank God. I don't have to have a dress that has all these loops and holes that had nothing to do with weight. So, not um, so obviously you hit some lows during the game. Uh, I can't imagine how it felt there, at least in the beginning, you're the winner now. You prevailed. You can call yourself the Big Brother champ. But was there any point in this season where you were so down and felt like the whole house was against you that you were considering quitting? Did it ever cross your mind? Oh, definitely. Um, it was after the blow up with Daniel. Uh, specifically, not because I felt like I didn't have anything left in me, but because um, in that moment when Daniel's yelling at me in the living room, no one else is stepping in to defend me. And that's when I felt so alone and so isolated. And like, I had no shot game personally of being competitive in the game. And I knew I had this veto coming up. I thought about throwing it, which is funny now, considering that that's why Nicole was upset in the first place because she wanted to throw the veto. Um, That's when I felt like, wow, not only am I alone in the game, something is going on where people believe that I am a bad person, period. And if I'm to be blamed for someone's mental health crisis, I, like, there's nothing redeemable about that. So I did have a brief moment where I felt like, okay, maybe I'm not supposed to be here. But because moments after that, I pulled Joseph into a back room and said, I just need a friend. And he was a friend to me in that moment and said, keep your head up, stay in the game. I knew it wasn't over for me. So it was a fleeting moment, but it was definitely a moment that happened. This whole time that you kept going on the block and um, getting off it and, you know, getting saved, were you in the back of your head also thinking, gosh, the more I keep doing this, the more I'm technically building my resume? Like, was it in your head, like, I can actually win this thing? Or were you just, let me just get through this next eviction ceremony? Yeah, I knew I could win the thing. Um, I knew that I could work being on the block and coming off that many times to my advantage. Because I knew that so many people in that house saw, historically because of the game, being on the block as a disadvantage or a sign of weakness. Um, So I knew, okay, if I keep surviving this, this is something that I will be able to craft as a strength. But in the meantime, everybody else thinks that I am disposable, weak, uh, not a player. But now I have a new reason to pitch this in the game and change the game as a valuable thing that people will be cautious of in the future. So. Sorry to anybody in the future who's going to get pawned a lot, but, you know, it could be a good thing for you. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's just this this season, I mean, I I thought the cookout was one of the it, – it was, to my in my eyes, not even just this show. I thought it was the greatest alliance in 
reality TV history for what they were able to do. And the fact that, you know, in the four seasons that I've watched of Big Brother, I've just seen so many alliances crumble. They crumble in the next day. Yeah. The fact that they did it so early and were able to stick by it, it was it's just it was awesome. It was a great moment. It was a great television moment. Um I hate that again. The faction, a certain faction of this fan base that made it a racial thing when it totally wasn't. It just it bothered the it bothered the hell out of me that even, anyone even turned it into that. Um, but I mean, that's just you're going to have fans like that that take things out of uh, that blow it out of proportion that made it something that it wasn't. Um, I do want to talk about Kyle real quick because he was quite the interesting character this season and. Yeah. I, I really thought that that was a major point in the game because I really thought that could have gone sideways. You know, this this happened. I was hearing rumblings about, oh, my God, Kyle did this on the live feeds. And I was like, oh, boy, what are they? What is CBS going to show? And I was like, OK. Mm. But I really thought that the grace that you showed him and the grace that Monty showed him was really, really pivotal into how everything went down. Because and I want to commend you for that, because while I'm sure both of you are exhausted with you know, here we go. Another, you know, white privileged young kid, not understanding, uh, you know, the microaggressions he's perpetuating by just saying what he said instead, essentially not canceling him. You guys, you know, you guys helped him. And, but tell me at that point in the game, were you thinking of maybe going another direction with that? No, uh, Kyle is someone that I always considered to be a good friend in the game, actually. And it's funny because when I, Right to the point where we got to my HOH, I felt the closest I'd ever felt with Kyle and I started to trust him more. And I actually wanted to find a path to the end of the game with him in a final five or four capacity. Um, So when this racism allegations and all that started coming out, it's like you look at, I don't have siblings, but it's like you turn your head and you look at a sibling and you're like, you dummy and you slap him upside the head. I was like, are you... Are you for real right now? Like on what basis? I voted out Amira. I've been actively targeting um, Terrence for weeks now. There's just no ground and basis here. And look, I understand being paranoid in the game. And truly, I'll say it. The cookout happened last season. Why wouldn't somebody think, oh, is something else happening this season? I don't think it is insane to have that thought. Now, what you do with that thought is where the lines get blurred and a little bit gray and can get very ugly very quickly. And because Kyle had always felt like a good friend to me, even when I was frustrated with him, I saw this as a unique opportunity to give my friend the space and time, little time that we had, to apologize and atone and make amends before he goes out the door. Because usually in Big Brother, when things like this happen, Nobody knows what's going on until they go out the door and they talk to Julie and they're told, oh, by the way, you were a little bit racist on the show. Yeah, We found that out during the show. We got to have those conversations. And he promised to me that he would you know, reject the groups that likely will agree with him, that he will do the work to be a better person outside this house. And I trust him. But, you know, he will do that when he is healed enough to pursue it because I want him to have the mental capacity to do it as well. So, yeah, I think he's, that- he's a cool guy. I really I- do like him. I think that was the key point of all of it was I don't think anybody can fault somebody like you said cookout happened last year. Why wouldn't anybody think it is possible? However, mm-hmm. nothing in Kyle's argument made sense about why there would be an all black alliance. You know, there was nothing right. there. You guys were target. There were people of color targeting each other in this in this in the show. Like Open it, it made no sense. Enthusiastically. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I, like 
again, I get why Kyle thought it, but his mm-hmm. reasoning behind it made no sense. He had nothing to back yeah. up his thought, essentially. Exactly. Um, now, the game aspect of it. Did you think that Michael and Brittany used it as gameplay, and did you have a problem with when they brought it up because it was trying to save their ass? <laughs> you know, in the moment, I did not. Um, once, in the moment up until I was left on the block next to Kyle, um, instead of Brittany coming down off the block so Kyle could go up, that is what really infuriated me uh, because Michael and Brittany continued to say, you know, this isn't game, this isn't game, it's bad for our game, but then you protected someone who was least vulnerable than me. And Michael did hint at that before taking Brittany down, but it was so frustrating to me. If you're going to do the right thing, do the right thing all the way through the end. I didn't like being left in a vulnerable position at the expense of someone else's racism. That didn't sit right with me. So I haven't seen the episodes, I haven't watched the live feeds, um, so I don't know the exact conversations that happened leading up to it. Um, I think my, my opinion is going to be colored differently. If I do see that they are explicitly saying, this is the only thing we have for our games. We have to do this. Um, whereas they've told me directly that it's just the players that they want to be it's the people they want to be in the house. I chose to trust my friends in the house. I'm still choosing to trust them. Do I think it was convenient? Yes. Do I also think it was smart for them not to bring into the game until they were absolutely certain it was possible? Yes. I don't blame them for holding on to until they knew. That's, I would have held on to it until I knew for sure. I thought you and Joseph started a, um, we're going to do a rewatch here. I thought you were rewatching all the episodes. Yeah, we're working on it. But we just we're haven't gotten to that. On, okay. No, oh no. We just finished, um, Michael just won his first HOH. We oh, just finished okay. Nicole going out the door. Yeah. Okay. We're way early. Yeah. So you saw that, that's right. There's 55 episodes a season or whatever. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's interesting. Um, the relationship with Monty at the end of the season, um, was that just gameplay? No, not at all. Oh, was it? it? was okay. Taylor Horny. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> there's only so many times I could say it. Like, you spend 70-some, okay. 80-some days in that house, and you get horny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, we both were consenting adults. We both did what was what felt right for both of us, but I get really frustrated when, I mean, you should see my replies and my DMs. You had sex just to get to the end. Like, no, I had sex since I was dying. I couldn't even masturbate in that house. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> I got what I needed. Yeah. And as far as the actual final two that he and I created, that was before he and I started having sex. So, you know, that was the smart game move for me to make that final two because he and I had no one else to really trust and lean on except for each other as far as the loyalty aspect in the game plan. You know, he made a final two with Turner, but that only came after Turner's final two got exposed with Kyle. <laughs> he had nowhere else to go. Did did it fall apart because of that whole, what was the scene with the headphones and all that? Did that really turn him off to you or was that just a, an instance that CBS chose to show and to make it seem like, cause it seemed like after that is when things stopped between you two. Was that really it? Or was there something more? Um, there was, that was definitely part of it. Um, it definitely colored his idea and perception of me. He definitely thought that I'm like selfish and vengeful and, um, huh. uh, just trying to be an ice queen all the time. There was a part before, where in the same scene, we're all hanging out in my room. And uh, he's just kind of reminiscing and saying, wow, I um, wasn't there for my goddaughter's birthday. I can't believe I've been in her life for a full year. And immediately, I was like, oh, actually, no, it has been a year. It's more like nine months because we've been in the Big Brother house. And I didn't realize, but that bothered him. 
because he thought I was saying you haven't been present in your goddaughter's life. So that's when he put the headphones on to tune out that moment. And that's when I looked at the headphones, maybe five, 10 minutes later, and was like, look at these boys. Turner was asleep on the couch. I was like, look at these boys in my room. Turner's sleeping. This guy's on my bed with my music. Give me that music back. Ha ha ha. And it was just all, Taylor's a monster. She's not vulnerable. She's talking about my goddaughter. Your tensions and emotions can run very high. Anybody can be sensitive. But yeah, that was all part of the reason why he thought I was deserving of all the bullying that I faced the first few weeks in the house. Wow. Okay. Um, and, and you know, even going back to those first couple days, I don't even, I, I still, because like I said, I did not follow the live feeds. I would only read some of the things and the headlines that would come across. I still, to this day, I don't know if I fully understand why everyone disliked you early on. It couldn't be because I I, was, was it just because this thing of you weren't bonding with the women and you were hanging out with the men? Was that it? I mean, doesn't that happen a lot on the show? I, I don't understand why that would be like, it was just this, it wasn't just like, Hey, Taylor's being a little aloof with the women. She seems to be more on the guy's side. Maybe we should target her. It was like this hatred towards you. And I didn't, I don't know. I didn't get it, but was there more to that or yeah, no? Neither did I. <laughs> you know, coming out of the house, now I understand. Um, and now that people communicated with me where their heads were, a lot of people have just admitted they were um, they were insecure. And it takes a lot to admit that you're an insecure person in a moment. So I appreciate the people who have said that to me. Um, the people who have owned their stuff and owned their projection, I really appreciate because that's really what it is. People felt like I was too confident, too comfortable with myself. And I made people uncomfortable in the way that they viewed themselves. And in that, it was very, very easy to target me and say that I'm only trying to appeal to the guys, that I'm trying to flip the house against the girls. I'm not a girl's girl. And that's really where all this stemmed from. And then every excuse from there just snowballed into just vile attacks on my character. Yeah, no, it was really confusing for somebody who wasn't following intently, you know, on mm-hmm. online and, and whatnot. And, you know, like I said, you survived all of it. You, you know, you end up being the winners, just almost a giant middle finger to everybody who did that. Do you, <laughs> do you still have do you still have beef with anybody on the show or no? Are there relationships um, that are still needing a little repairing or a little, hey, we need to talk or are you cool with everybody? Yeah. I'm, I am cool with the people I need to be cool with. I like, I'm not trying to have any more conversations with Daniel. I talked to him on finale night and that's all necessary. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then who else? You know, I haven't spoken to Paloma. I don't think I'll be speaking to her. Does anybody, Otherwise, I mean, outside of Indy, Indy interview with her, does anybody, she wasn't even part of BB comics. Like she, it's like she wasn't even part no. of the show. Like I, yeah, it's probably well, a good I just thing. I assumed that if you, I assumed if you self-evict, you're kind of scrubbed from the show. I don't know, but that's what I figured would be the case. Uh, yeah. Her stuff wasn't there during Mind Your Step Tuscaloosa, so I just figured, oh, okay. Like if you self-evict, you were removing yourself entirely. Um, but no, you know, I've got a good relationship with Amira, Jasmine, Nicole. Um, I haven't really kind of buried the burden with uh, buried the bone, whatever the phrase is, with Alyssa yet. I think I'm. I'm really hurt still by the way that Alyssa spoke to me about Joseph coming back inside from Direfest. Um, and I've heard that the way that Alyssa spoke with and engaged with Joseph at Direfest was really, really not good at all. So I'm waiting until I get to those episodes to kind of sort out my feelings and then I'll see if I'm interested in exploring that. And you're good with Kyle. Um, what about Monty? Yeah. Where are you at with Monty? Is Monty kind of 
kind of just doing his own thing. Yeah, Monty's definitely doing his own thing. And, you know, I wish him nothing but the best in the future. Um, but him and Terrence, I, I don't think I'll be continuing to communicate with either. Okay. Um, obviously, you've spent a lot of time with Joseph post-show. This was something that, like, you know, during the show, it was like, you know, it seemed like there was something going on. And then, obviously, he got evicted during – it was Direfest, right? That's Dyer when, Fest. Yeah, yeah, that's when he's gone. <laughs> and then, obviously, he's gone. You don't even get to say goodbye. You guys rekindle um, – immediately after the show and things have obviously been going great with you guys. Can you just fill people in on how things are going with Joseph? We see the stories, sure. we see everything. So <laughs> <laughs> Y'all know the efforts. Um, no, I think like people try to get me all the time. Like, ah, talk about Joseph and that's your boyfriend. Right. And I go, guys, relax. Everything we've told to the press is just exactly what it is. You know, there's so much pressure and excitement around our relationship status. But if we were to say, yes, we're in a relationship today, we'd be like any other bachelor couple and fall apart three to six months from now. What's important to he and I is longevity because both of us see us being a solid long-term couple. So to get there, I need to go to therapy. He needs to go to therapy. We've ag- agreed to go to therapy together because we want to get that solid foundation, really sort through the traumas that we had individually in the Big Brother house and build something that's going to be long-lasting. So. Look, everything that you see online is real. That's just the nature of our friendship. I see people telling me all the time, oh, they're just, they're faking it. They just want to do the jailer brand and get money and then not be together anymore. No, we spend all the time together because we enjoy each other's company. Like, yes, I would be in a relationship with him today if I didn't think that it meant that things would fall apart three, six months from now. But I want to make sure that it's solid and long lasting. Yeah. And, it, and, and that's that, all. And that's smart. <laughs> that's a, it's a, I mean, I, I can't believe somebody from reality TV actually has that take on a post-show relationship because nobody does. They, they just either do it showmance-wise or they jump into it thinking, oh, my gosh, look at this person. They're so great when you really don't know a hell of a lot about them. Here's a, here's a, yeah. a final question I have about Big Brother because this is just me being somewhat of a novice, having only watched four seasons and then the three celebrity seasons. I've always said this. When it gets down to what's the um, – I wouldn't even say I wouldn't even say BB Comics because that's complete memorization. The final challenge is always usually just, hey, you know, Indy won three challenges, but she was gone before day fourteen. All that stuff. Yeah. As someone who watched every episode, but I don't take notes, I don't cover the show. I just sit there and be like, "There's no way in hell I would have known." Granted, you have a one in three chance of getting the answer right. But is that is that just because you literally have nothing to do all day and you know eventually down the road you're going to be asked stuff like that? Is that the is that how these people know the answers to these questions that I am so clueless on? That's fair, and I thought the same thing specifically about BB Comics. I watched, I binged watch seasons before going into um, the show, but I really only ever saw uh, last season before getting into Big Brother. So when I saw BB Comics, I was like, how the hell do they know? any of this stuff memorization. And when it came to that final three uh, questions, I was like, who has the time to know any of this? But when you live your life solely big brother, no outside media, no news, there's nothing else to retain. It is easy to go back, think back to all the competitions and think, okay, you know, who was playing, you know, at least three of the players that played in uh, each veto competition, you know, who the HOH was and the two nominees. And then you just memorize what those competitions are. You know how many competitions there are. There's 12 uh, weeks of competition. So you just start with 12 and then you can piece together 
who played what competition, how many times they played, what they won and what they lost. Um, so once you have that down, it's pretty easy to put the puzzle pieces in together. And then you just go through, you sit in front of the memory wall, and you just go through and memorize the facts like that. And honestly, memorizing that is easier than it was memorizing my English vocabulary and <laughs> honors English. So <laughs> yeah. I did not think I'd be good at it, but it was really easy to drill down once you get it. Yeah. And I figured it had to do with, you know, like you said, cut off from the outside world. All you have in your mm-hmm. life is these people and BB and you know the way the game works it's coming and you better be paying attention to this stuff or else you could get burned in it in a comp. Um, what was the one, uh, what was the one last question I had for BB? Uh, shit. I thought I had one. Okay. If I remember it, I'll tell, I'll, I'll ask it, but we'll circle back. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. I wanted to, um, talk to you about the pageant world because I recently got myself involved in it. I know. Um, I recently got myself involved a couple weeks ago when I was asked to be a judge for Miss Dallas. And what do you think? I had watched the pageant world from afar. And the only thing I had ever known about the pageant world was when it used to be televised and we only saw the, you know, the final 50 for Miss USA. And it was just like, okay, here they come in a gown, here they come in a bikini. Let's answer a question Mm -hmm. and whatnot. And um, I'll say this I have an absolute newfound respect for anybody that enters the pageant world because I didn't understand. I didn't even know going into it what exactly I was judging. And I asked people who were pageant friends of mine and they're like, Hey, there's no real criteria. You know, it's, it's who you think, who pops to you when they're walking on stage, either in a bikini or in their gown, what jumps out to you? Does, do they, do they jump out to you? I didn't, you know, when it was when when I judged the evening gown, I didn't know anything about fabric or who had the most expensive dress. It was just when I saw that person walking on stage, did they exude confidence? Did they not, you know, trip over their own feet? Um, and it, it had nothing to do with their smile or their hand placement or anything like that. It was just the feel that you got. There is no criteria, really. But I think the other thing that people don't understand is the competition I judged was on Sunday. The show was on Sunday. But on Saturday is when you do the interview portion. And the interview portion is, for us, it was just two minutes. And there was four of us judges, and the girl walks in front of you. She's literally standing five feet in front of you. She turns her back. The director says, begin. And we just start firing questions at someone after they turn around, and they have no idea what's coming. I'm looking at their bio. I'm maybe getting a question out of there or just maybe answering, asking a general question. And that has got to be nerve-wracking because you, you don't want to say a bunch of ums. You don't want to look around. You don't want to twiddle your thumbs. It's just, again, not only your answer, like did she actually answer the question, and then how did she answer the question? I mean, it is, like I said, newfound respect for anybody because that has got to be nerve-wracking to stand in front of four strangers that you have no idea what they're about to throw your way and just answer questions right off the top of your head for two minutes. I mean, that is... That takes practice. It does. There's just, there's no way. Um, I mean, I, I, I like I said, feels, I, uh, feels like a Big Brother final too, doesn't it? I know it did. <laughs> and, and like your, your, your speech was roughly two minutes on, on Big Brother, and you know it was almost like you were answering questions um, that weren't even asked uh, in your answers. And you know, like I said, I did miss Dallas. I really enjoyed it. I really have a newfound respect for the pageant industry and. Just just respect for anybody who has the balls to enter that because that's it's got to be nerve-wracking to stand in front of strangers in a bikini and just stand there and be 
not ogled at, but just looked at by people, you know, it's yeah. just, so the way I've always about it, um, as far as the swimsuit competition goes, that's my favorite aspect yeah. of it all. I always feel like I am standing in front of people and I'm saying, this is all of who I am, brains, beauty, brawn, and you are either going to take it or leave it. And I will be fine if you leave it. I'm not defined by you taking it. Yeah. It's a, it's a dare. It is a demand and it works out. So I don't know if anybody knows this, but the Miss USA competition for 2022 happened, I think three or four weekends ago, about maybe about a month ago. It was the weekend before I judged. And there was a major, um, I don't know what you want to call it. Falling. I don't know if it was a falling out, but there was some, there were some allegations of favoritism. There were some allegations of rigging. Miss Texas uh, ended up winning this year, and I don't know. I, can you can you shed any light onto what you know about that particular situation, or just tell people the story about why people think it was rigged this season? Sure. You know, I, I took Joseph to that pageant with me, and we had a really good time because so many of my friends are still in the pageant world. It was a place where I got to show Joseph my pageant family, so that was exciting. Um, and of course, coming out of the big brother house, I'm trying to catch up and see who the favorites are. It's like, it is like the NFL. It is like picking a fantasy team. You pick your favorite contestants and you see who's going to perform the best. Um, so I'm kind of aware of what's going on, but not really too aware until I get there. And I get there and I'm talking to some of my friends and they go, well, a lot of people feel like it's favorite for Texas to win. I said, oh, okay, How? And I said, well, the judges all have similar interests of what Texas bio is and what she does. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that doesn't mean that you're automatically going to like one person because you have the same career. And then people are telling me things like, well, she's allowed to walk around the hotel without a chaperone, which is a serious no. They're saying that some of her state sponsors were also some sponsors who were involved with the national organization which isn't the best look, but not always unheard of. My makeup sponsor at my state level was a makeup sponsor at the national level. That doesn't mean, I didn't even play some Miss USA, shit. <laughs> but I just kept hearing, you know, if Texas wins, it's going to be a shit show. If Texas wins, people are going to be upset and feel disregarded. They're going to feel like they did all this work for no reason. And then Texas won. Now, I understand being frustrated with the results of a pageant. I understand feeling like, there can be some favoritism in an organization. I get that. That happens every single year, frankly, um, because some people feel like girls are pulled for more ads that they're doing before the final competition. Anything like that can happen. I'm not going to disregard all the girls in the organization and say, no, you, there was no favoritism. There wasn't anything of that. But when it comes down to the organization, like, I don't, <laughs> it's not really important to me. If the girl had the goods, the girl had the goods and she won. And they're going to do an audit of the results. They're going to figure all of it out. I think it's pretty easy. Let's even entertain it a little bit. Whether it was rigged or not, I think the scores are going to come down to show that she had the highest score. She won the pageant. Put that stuff to rest. Now, what I'm really concerned about are deeper issues that happen with the current ownership of Miss USA. I don't care about allegations of favoritism. I care about allegations of sexual harassment that have happened with someone in the organization. That's what's more important to me than anything. Yeah, and that's something that you have spoken out about, and mm -hmm. you have come forward of 
Now, I don't know. I, I guess I need you to explain to me what exactly you have spoken out about in regards to sexual misconduct happening within the Miss USA organization. Mm-hmm. Now, this is um, the first time I'm going on the record saying this. Okay. Um, but the day after Miss USA, how do I break this down so it's easy to understand? Your, your so Miss USA. Time, your Miss USA. I was Miss my Miss USA, yes. Yeah, so okay. last year when I competed, yeah, uh, I was Miss Michigan USA 2021. Uh, the morning after I competed, I got a direct message from the co-president of the organization um, who is married to the other co-president of the organization. Uh, so he DMs me on Instagram and said, you know, you did a good job. So proud of you. And I'm just thinking, okay, thanks. Sure. He invites me to the presidential suite. I decline. Um, we later run into each other in the lobby where I'm carrying my state costume. It's big and heavy. And he offers to help me carry it to my room. I say, yes. Um, there was a protocol in place where if you were being escorted to your room, the person who was escorting you would stop at the elevator bank and watch you go down the hallway to your room. He did not stop at the elevator bank. He continued to go into the room. He placed the costume in the room in that entry corridor. And then he walked all the way in and proceeded to sit down, um, have a conversation with me. None of this felt really threatening, um, but it was definitely uncomfortable. Like he should not have been lingering. And then when he stood up, he gave me some very sexually intimate types of hugs. Like they were very intimate, pretty sexual. Um, he's whispering in my ear, telling me that he, you know, I'm so beautiful, so gorgeous. Um, he kisses the corner of my mouth, trying to play it off like it's my cheek. And I just, I'm just frozen. I'm not doing anything. But he's clearly waiting for me to make the next move. He does this twice. Um, and then finally, I get him to leave the room. Hmm. So, you know, ultimately... As of early January of this year, this happened late November. As of early January, he was finally removed from the organization. Um, I was still a title holder in the organization. I was still Miss Michigan USA until May of that year. So, you know, I didn't want to blow this up. I didn't want to make the biggest deal out of it. Um, But I was made aware that there may have been other women, whether they were from my year or from previous years, because he had owned Miss Houston USA at one point. He'd been involved in hosting Miss Texas USA. This is someone who'd been around the pageant industry and around many uh, vulnerable women. So what's more important to me is that he is dealt with. What's more important to me is that those allegations are taken seriously. I don't, frankly, I don't care about issues of uh, pending potential rigging of a pageant when you have someone who has access to young women, um, whether they be Miss contestants or team contestants. Wow. Well, I'm sorry you had to go through that. Um, when it got when word got around that you had told that story and you were maybe the one behind him getting removed, which he absolutely should have been, did more women come forward to you? Did women approach you and say, "Hey, you know, yeah, I I I know exactly what you're talking about"? Because I can't imagine. I mean, anytime this happens in anything, sporting world, whatever, entertainment world, we all know it turns into all it takes is for one woman to speak up. And then here come more because they were scared and and rightfully so, because you just don't know what can happen. You know, Tiger Woods situation, the first woman comes out and then 14 others say, oh, yeah, no, I was having a relationship with him, too. So it seems like same thing here where it's just like all it takes is one to break the seal here. And here we go. And 
Did you hear from others that came to you and just said, I mean, you don't have to obviously name them, but did people come to you and say, yeah, same thing? Of course. Of course. It's important to me that I protect their identities, but yes, yeah. um, other women did come to me for over a course of a handful of years. Um, so that's what was most alarming to me because he felt way too comfortable um, finding his way to my room, going from the DM to actually being in my room and inviting me to his room. It just all felt too practiced and comfortable in my gut. Something told me there's no way you're the only one. Some, you have to be too bold and practice to do this at the Miss USA level. Uh, I didn't want to believe it, but I just, I knew that there would be more and there are more. Okay. Well, that's good. That's, I mean, I'm I'm glad that you spoke out, which meant others felt comfortable coming to you and glad, obviously, he's out of that position. And hopefully he never gets involved and is hired in any capacity to work in the pageant world again. Um, but you said his wife is also high up in that level. Is she still? They, they co-own the organization together. Um, she and obviously once he was removed, she was solely involved in, in running the organization. But with all the allegations happening right now about rigging and such, I know that she has been temporarily suspended while they do an investigation on the rigging. I'm not positive if the investigation is also happening on what happened with me, potentially other women. Um, But, you know, the whole narrative around this from the few that I've seen this year, what's been frustrating to me is that it's all been so sensationalized. It's all, oh, Miss USA rigging at a pageant. Can you believe it? And I'm like, there's just there's something deeper happening here and we're not really talking about it. So instead of focusing on a pageant, something that seems so glitzy that people are not willing to look deep into and write off the women who are accusing the pageant of of rigging, talk about the real issue. It's not a matter of uh, girls being upset that they spent a lot of money and lost. It's a matter of women feeling truly that they were not given due justice and women being taken advantage of by, by one man. For you know, sure. This industry is incredible and it's done great things for me and my closest friends come from the pageant world. They've been on the Forbes list. They've been public speakers. They're rich and accomplished and beautiful and confident. And I think anybody who joins a pageant can gain so much from it. And I would hate for this narrative to turn into, well, this is why pageants shouldn't exist. Why are we degrading women with pageants still? It's That's just not at all what this conversation should be. Yeah. So is this is his role in all this just not getting national play? And it's more about no. the, more about the Miss Texas winning, and oh, she had a lot of favoritism towards her. Okay, yeah, those are the only headlines that I've seen. And again, that's something that if I were not in the pageant world, I'd just roll my eyes and be like, "Why is this even coming up to my feet?" But yeah. there's a deeper issue that we should be talking about, and it's everything that I just said. Well, yeah, thank you so much for speaking out. I had no idea that you. I mean, I had heard through mm-hmm. when I was working the pageants that you were one uh, that came forward, one of the first ones. And, you know, another reason why I wanted to talk to you, because that's that's obviously very important. And if, like you said, if it's not getting national run, um, you know, it needs to get out there somehow. And let's let's not focus on something that may or may not have been rigged for a Miss Texas that from the people I talked to said she didn't even whatever favoritism that she was getting. She probably didn't need it anyway, because she was that she was that of a boss to win that thing anyway. She probably didn't she need really it. She really was just that good. We yeah. saw her win and we said, yeah, like if there was favoritism, she truly did not need it. Yeah. So, you know, I hate to think about that for her because she's probably isolated and getting questions she doesn't deserve. She doesn't need to be held accountable. It's the people who were above her that maybe did bad things that need to be held accountable, not her. Yeah. Well, again, I appreciate it uh, so much that you were able to talk about that. And, you know, for the first time 
really mention it. And uh, I had no idea yeah. you hadn't talked about that yet. So thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Well, thank, thank you for giving me the space to talk about it openly. Um, you know, hopefully this will change the conversation. Yeah. So thank you. Definitely. Um, so Taylor, thank you uh, again, just overall great interview. I'm glad that we finally got to talk. Congratulations on the win. Uh, it was it was a great win. It was a great finale. Uh, like I said, your speech will go down in history. I only know four Big Brother final finale speeches. Well, technically eight, uh, the two people that were in the finale. Um, none of the other seven stood out to me at all uh, until, <laughs> you, until you did. I don't know. I'm sure there are people online that, that judge all, that have watched all 24 seasons and have judged all 48 final two speeches. I got to believe you're in the top two, if not top three. Um but yeah, congratulations on your win. You're not only winning Big Brother, but also winning AFP. I mean, that is uh, what a what a what a summer you had for to say the least. <laughs> my gosh, um, put my foot down. <laughs> yeah, uh, my gosh. Congratulations on everything. Good luck, uh, future success to you. Thanks for coming on again, and uh, we will be in touch. Thanks for having me. Happy to come by anytime. You got it. Thanks, Taylor. Thank you so much to our BB24 champion, Taylor Hale. Um, great talking to her. I only had 45 minutes. There was an, another, another interview she had to get to. Um, one of the few interviews I actually recorded on Zoom. Maybe I should do that more because it's almost easier. You don't talk over each other when you're looking at someone when you talk to them. Most of the other interviews I do are just a phone call. And obviously, sometimes you never know when somebody is ending a sentence and you start talking and they weren't done. Uh, You've heard that over 310 podcasts that I've interviewed people, but Taylor was living the LA life. Uh, She was, she might've been at Todrick's house because isn't that where they all hang out after this? I don't know where she was, but she was literally at some fancy swanky house in LA and the background was literally overlooking the city. Very cool. Um, But she deserves it. Uh, that speech is an all-timer. She is your winner, and she deserves all the credit. And major, major props to her. I asked her before we started recording, hey, I want to talk about the Miss USA pageant because I heard you were a, one of the whistleblowers on the you know, the CEO. She's like, yeah, let's do it. I have no problem talking about it. I did not realize that was the first time she had talked about it and actually gone into detail about what this creep did. So uh, all the respect in the world for her to share that story and to see the good that has come from it and to see that more women felt comfortable coming to her and now that guy is out of a job, which he absolutely should be. So, uh, I mean, I just, what an impressive, impressive woman she is. Taylor Hale, everybody. Wow. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, Like I said at the beginning, the Daily Roundup is up. You can go check that out. It should be on your uh, Reality C podcast feed. But thank you all for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast. It is much appreciated. For Taylor Hale, I'm Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will talk to you tomorrow. See you.